Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. Happy Monday, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today we are sitting down with CrossFit legend, Annie Sakamoto. So, Annie has a special place in my heart. She was probably one of the very first CrossFit athletes I ever met. And living in Santa Cruz, I interacted with her time and time and time again throughout competitions and training and everything in between. Annie is just as kind in person as you would ever imagine from any interview or any competition you've ever seen her do. And today's conversation was absolutely magical. We dive into the old school days of CrossFit and the evolution of where they are today. We also talk about Annie's games win, being able to boom, check that one off the list and the training that got her there. Today's conversation was absolutely inspirational and will fire you up to get back in the gym after this weekend off and get ready to train hard. If you're not sure where to take your training, download the NC Fit app. We have an incredible app with great instructors. I might be a little bit biased because I'm one of them, but our coaches are the creme de la creme and the programming is just the cherry on top. You have four different tracks every day from competitive tracks to at-home tracks or workouts for in the gym in group training styles if that is what you're into. Be sure to head over to the App Store and download the NC Fit app and get a free week of training. And while you're in the app, leave this show a five-star rating and review. Reviews help us more than you know, continue to keep the show going, and continue to gain more listeners and awesome guests so that we can keep having incredible conversations like the one you're about to listen to today. Until next week, enjoy the show. Welcome back, listeners, to the Women Make This Waves podcast. We are sitting down today with the legend, Annie Sakamoto. She is a four-times CrossFit Games athlete. She is one of the OG women who've pioneered the wave, uh, the wave for most of us in the sport of CrossFit, and we are so thrilled to be here with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show, and we like to start all of our episodes with a question, how are you making waves? Um, that's a hard, that's a hard one. I'm, I'm definitely not great at talking about myself, but, um, I would say that the way I'm, I feel like I'm making waves, especially in the community is, uh, just by continuing to be competitive, um, and involved in the community for such a long amount of time. I think you were my first introduction into women in the sport. Cause I started training in Santa Cruz, um, at CrossFit Amundsen. And Uh Greg was always like, Annie this, Annie that. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? And then we did the workout, Annie. And I think double unders were the only thing when I first started CrossFit that I was like, oh, I can do this like high skill move. And so the workout, Annie came up and I was like, fuck yes, this one's (laughs) for me. Um, So can you kind of tell listeners how you even found the sport? And I know you've been in it for a long time, but kind of what that evolution has looked like. Yeah. So, um, I was actually teaching like a cardio kickboxing class at the time um, and thought I was pretty fit. Um, And I had taken a hip hop class uh, like on and off with Eva Tordokens for years. And I, she came to one of my, my kickboxing classes and she was like, Hey, you know, if you're into fitness, I think you should come and try CrossFit. She was um, coaching CrossFit at the time. And I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, this was early, um, early 2000s. And I was like, I feel like my fitness is pretty good. I don't need to throw up because that's the only thing I knew about CrossFit is that people threw up. Um, but anyway, so she convinced me and I did a personal training session with her. And it was like um, some deadlifts, a 400 meter run and some pastors on the palm of horse. And um, I remember thinking like, if people are throwing up off of this, like they're so unfit because my kickboxing class is so much harder than this. Uh, and so I went home and I told my husband, I was like, I did CrossFit. It was no big deal. And he had actually done it uh, with some surfing friends uh, previous. And he was like, oh, I would go take a class with you. So we went back a couple of days later and took a 7 a.m. class. 
Um, and at that point, uh, Lauren um, actually ran the class and she, she ran, the workout was a 500 meter row, um, some number of kettlebell swings, some number of squats, three trips around the cargo net. The original gym had a cargo net um, and then 25 glute ham sit-ups, three rounds. And then to kind of impart intensity on me um, and whoever else was there, they staggered the start. So the goal was to catch the person in front of you and not let the person behind you catch you. And, you know, when I did the workout with Eva, that was definitely what I was missing. I was jogging the 400 meters, you know, I was going at my own pace. I didn't, there was no real intensity. Um, and now with this workout, there was total intensity because I'm trying to catch the person in front of me and not let the person behind me catch me. And um, long story short, I did 75 glute ham setups all the way back, all the way up at the end of the work, you know, by the end of the, the whole workout. And the next day, and it was obviously a butt kicker of a workout. Next day, I was pretty sore. The next day, I was so sore, I couldn't like bend forward, backwards, laugh, cough, fart, sneeze, pee, like I was destroyed in my stomach. And, um, you know, I told my husband, he had to take me to the hospital, got a hernia. Uh, and anyways, I, I ended up just it's like, now I get why people say this is so intense. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people had first experiences like that. And um, either they loved it or they hated it. And I was definitely one of those people that just loved it. I'm laughing when you were like, yeah, I just heard that people throw up there. So I don't want to do it because that was my first experience too, in the sport of CrossFit it was like, oh, I just heard people run really hard and then they throw up and I don't want to be part of that. But it's so interesting to see kind of like how it's evolved since then um, to be something maybe a little bit more structured <laughs> so that yep. that doesn't happen for everybody. But um, what was it for you that kept you going back after that because like you said like some people loved it some people hated it what about it did you love when you know to this day i've never thrown up 17 years seven almost 18 years later i've never thrown up from crossfit um but i think it was uh that you know along with that physical challenge it was the mental challenge um, and it was you know kickboxing was great and it was fun and physically it was a really good workout but you know, there was never this moment in a kickboxing class where it's like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Like, I don't know if I can do another rep. I don't know if, you know, if I go out on a run, if I might fall on my face right now. And um, that was what I, what I got in CrossFit. And what I really loved was the mental challenge was so huge. Um, that's what I really appreciated about it. I totally get that. Um, what was one of your favorite or like go-to things that you wanted to see in those types of workouts at that time? Like, were you like, oh yeah, heck yeah, there's totally running. I'm totally into it. Or was it like, what would have, what about it was like so fun at that point? Um, I loved the pull-ups. Pull-ups were really, and, and you know, that was something that I had never done. Like, I didn't know that I could do pull-ups. Um, and so the early days, like, you know, with the frog kip, we didn't even know how to butterfly kip or even do a regular kip. Um, so the pull-ups were definitely something that I loved, like knowing that I could do pull-ups. Um, and then uh, probably just the intensity of it. And, and, you know, I was really lucky when I started, um, Eva was there and Nicole Carroll had started right at the same time. And we all had our strengths, which were different than each other's strengths. And so we really pushed each other a lot in, in workouts. And I just saw it, I was coaching this morning and I, I was just thinking about the fact, you know, it's so fun when you and I are doing a workout and I know you're really good at running and you know, I'm really good at pull-ups. And so when the running comes, I just got to hang on and you're like, this is my time to shine. And then we get to the pull-up bar and I, I know this is my time to shine. And you're like, I got to push right here if I'm going to stay with her. And so for, for Nicole and Eva and I, it was, you know, it was always this game of pushing each other. Um, and I really loved that. It was, uh, it, it was just a really fun, there was a lot of camaraderie to it. Um, but we were also really, you know, pushing each other's level of fitness. What I remember most from first starting CrossFit was exactly what you were saying, like finding that training partner or that group of people that really pushed you. And even if they weren't there, 
because I mean, before CrossFit, I played volleyball or I, you know, was a swimmer. And so we had times that we wanted to beat or teams we wanted to beat, but there was never that moment of like walking into the gym and heading straight to the whiteboard and being like, all right, what'd she get today? Like, I, I know that Jenna was here at 9am. I'm here at 6pm and I'm going to like, even if she's not here to physically watch and catch, I'm going to do it. That was so fun. I feel like that along with like always remembering your first CrossFit workout are the two things that stick out to me from like the early days of finding the sport. Um, yeah. What has been, having been in the sport, what has been the biggest change that you've seen overall, whether that be actual like movements and standards and workouts or social constructs around the sport and anything in between, what has been the biggest evolution? I think a lot of it is the getting started process. You know, I think that again, a lot of us, um, the early introduction to CrossFit for a lot of people was like, you know, just hand them their ass and see what happens. Like if they come back for more, they're, they're in. And if not, then so be it. And I think that that's not how, at least at our gym too, you know, that's not how we start clients anymore. That's definitely not um, the philosophy. And, uh, and so I think there's a more mature way of getting people into CrossFit and probably also just the idea of what fitness means for each individual person. And yes, intensity is a huge part of CrossFit, but functional fitness is also a huge part of CrossFit. And so we have a ton of people in our gym that are 60 plus, and it doesn't make sense to, you know, go for a Fran at 95 pounds in two and a half minutes. I just, it doesn't make sense for them, but it doesn't mean that they can't do CrossFit or some variation of CrossFit or that what they're doing isn't CrossFit. Um, and I just am, I'm happy that the mindset for so many affiliates and, and trainers has changed to be a little bit more inclusive um, and specific to each athlete and their needs. That is something that has been so cool to see and be part of, especially, you know, like my parents um, are getting up there. Like, if they listen to this, sorry, didn't mean to call you old, but like <laughs> they're getting there. Right. And my dad is, um, my dad for a while was doing CrossFit because he really wanted to get stronger playing tennis and he used CrossFit at a CrossFit gym training. He went like religiously and he was in the best shape of his life. And then he got into an accident. He was mountain biking, which he had never really done, but he had this newfound confidence because he was so much stronger. He felt really good. So he was like, you know, I'm going to try mountain biking. And he ended up getting into a really bad accident. But the thing that saved him was being strong enough and having enough muscle definition so that when he had to undergo surgery, the surgery and then the recovery from it were so much quicker it took so much less time because he was in such better shape. And so for me, it's such a um, like near and dear piece of my heart. The fact that this is for everybody and everybody should be doing some form of functional training because it could be the life or death situation, you know, and I think he would have survived either way, but his quality of life is so much better. And now he's like, you know, this was two years ago that the year after he was skiing again, he was playing tennis again. Um, he was overhead squatting again. Like there were things that he probably wouldn't have been able to do thereafter if he wasn't strong enough. So that is, that has been super cool. And I feel like, um, you know, what you just shared with like, this is for everybody is so incredibly true that um, sometimes I think we do lose track of it because I think we get so wrapped up in, you know, like the competitive side and wanting to get stronger and wanting to get fitter. And I'm curious for you, because you've been in the sport for so long, like how have you seen your own kind of like approach to training and that whole piece of it? Like, how have you seen that evolve over the years? Well, and I think like, first of all, you bring up a really good point, which was, you know, originally CrossFit um, came around as a strength and conditioning program for people who were in sport. So, you know, a lot of jujitsu people like CrossFit wasn't itself a sport. It was a conditioning program for those that were in a sport. Um, and it just had you know, it, it, it's amazing enough that it became its own sport. Um, and so, you know, first of all, like for me, 
I was using CrossFit as a way to stay in shape. I loved surfing. And so that was a, you know, a lot of my passion. And, um, and then at some point I kind of transitioned over to becoming more of a, a competitive CrossFit athlete. Um, and so surfing, unfortunately for me is kind, kind of gone by the wayside with two kids. It was like, I couldn't, you know, be competitive in, in CrossFit and still surf. Um, and I, and I really do love the competitive side of CrossFit. So that's definitely where my focus has shifted to. But for me, um, I, I love training and I will train whether I'm training for the games or just training because I love training. Um, and so like a lot of it is uh, longevity that when I train, that's kind of my philosophy is as much as I want to um, still compete uh, at the games or, you know, just in general through CrossFit, my ultimate goal is longevity in the sport. So I'm never going to do anything in my training for competition that is going to sacrifice or, or, you know, put at risk my ability to keep CrossFitting. My goal is to CrossFit when I'm, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years old. How has that changed? I'm curious to know, since you've had children as well, how have you balanced that? Because that's obviously a huge shift in every aspect of your life. Definitely. And, you know, at first it was actually a lot easier when my kids were younger um, to, to put in a lot of time training, believe it or not. It's, it's a lot easier when they're younger than now. You know, my son's 12, my daughter's uh, about to be 15 and they have their own sports. And so now it's my focus is on, you know, being supportive of them through their sports and their activities. Um, and it's, so it's much harder to be kind of selfish and, and focus on my goals. Um, but, you know, a lot of why I have liked competing in CrossFit is to show my kids um, what it means to be competitive, what it means to have a goal and to sacrifice for your goal and to work really hard for your goal. Um, and I didn't want to just tell my kids those things. I wanted to be the example, right? Like I have a goal and I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to make these sacrifices to do what I want to do. Um, and I wanted to, to show them those actions. So now it means that, you know, um, at certain points, it doesn't make sense for me to compete, that I need to step back from the competition side of things so that I can give them my attention and not miss their baseball games or their volleyball games uh, because I'm too busy training. Um, and that's okay with me, you know, again, it's, you know, if I have years where I can compete, that's great. And if I have years where I can't, well, hopefully I've inspired them to, um, you know, to compete in their lives. There's so much to be said for leading by example, especially with children. It's so beautiful. Has your mindset always been like that for competing? Have you always, it seems, it sounds rather laid back to me, at least when you talk about it, has it always been that way? Or has that been a newer evolution since you've had kids or just in the latter years? Yeah. You know, growing up, I wasn't a very competitive athlete. Like I was, I was somebody who liked to participate in sports, but I was always just that, like a participator. Um, I was never really competitive. I wasn't very good at sports, but I really liked being on teams. Um, so I don't come in with a super competitive background or mindset. Um, and I would say it wasn't until CrossFit that really I found the competitive side of me. Uh, and, and I went through some of my own, um, kind of you know mental hurdles mental battles when it came to competing in crossfit i was really nervous to compete uh, at first because i thought that you know the community would have an expectation of where i would finish as far as if i competed at the games um, i had an expectation of myself and that was really hard for me to, to get over and so i very purposely did not compete in crossfit at the games the first couple of years because i was kind of nervous to to see where I stood. Um, you know, I didn't want to know where I, where I may or may not fall as far as the leaderboard went. Um, so getting over that mental hurdle was really huge for me. Uh, just being okay with like, not, you know, the community doesn't have any expectation of where I'm going to finish. It, it was more about my own expectations of myself. And um, you know, you're never going to know where you're going to finish if you don't put yourself out there, right? And you're loved all the same. You know, I don't not love my kids because they don't get first in something and they're not going to not love me because I don't get first in something. And, but it was just something that I had to kind of figure out on my own. Um, and again, now I feel like 
that's something I can help impart on my kids um, as they grow up and they get competitive in sports. What was that moment like when you signed up for the games for the first time or, or qualified for the games for the first time? Um, um, it was kind of that big shift and what, what changed? Yeah, we were talking about it, you know, when that was, so the year that I, the first year that I qualified um, was the first year that they did the open and our gym wanted to do the open. And I was like, okay, I, you know, as a affiliate owner in camaraderie with everybody in the gym, I should really do the open with the gym. And then I ended up qualifying for regionals. I was like, well, I'm not going to go to regionals because I have no interest in competing at the game. So why would I take a spot at regionals? And a couple people here were like, you made, a, you made it to regionals. Like, you have to go. And I was like, well, okay, I'll go because I'm not training for the games. So it's highly unlikely that I'm going to actually qualify for the games because I'm not, this isn't my goal. I haven't been training. And then lo and behold, at the end of the weekend, I got, uh, I, I got third place and qualified for the games and was like, oh no, what do I, you know, I'm not going to go because I don't want to go to the games. And again, this still just came from my own fear of how I would do at the games. Um, and so I remember because China Cho and I had tied for points um, that year at regionals. And because I had finished first in one of the events, I got the tiebreaker. And China somehow knew that I wasn't thinking about going to the games that I didn't want to. And she was like, you better take that invitation. Like you earn this and you better show up. Uh, and that was the moment that I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. Like I qualified and I'm going to, it's time to, you know, see what I can do. And it was probably one of the most freeing things once I did do it. It's so cool to hear about all of the camaraderie and all of the like love and support from the other women in the sport because I think for like a little bit it feels at least it seems like maybe we lost that like maybe I'm over over exaggerating but like which wouldn't be abnormal for me but <laughs> like it feels like for a few years um I want to say like I'm totally guessing numbers, but like 2017-ish until recently, like there was kind of this shift of like every man for himself, like every woman for himself, like we're not supporting each other, but it's so cool to see, you know, like when the sport started, that's what it was and that's what it was about. I'm curious for you, like how have you navigated that space of, of like wanting to support the other women in your gym or around you, other competitors, and also recognizing that they are your competition. Mm -hmm. I think it will. And I think, you know, obviously for a lot of athletes, it's because there's so much money in the sport now, there's sponsorship money. And so it's, you know, it's not just bragging rights anymore. There's, you know, it, it's, could or could not be a viable career for a lot of these men and women. Um, and so that probably lends itself to making the atmosphere a little more cutthroat. But you're right. I mean, the, you know, the original vibe of CrossFit was all about camaraderie and, and everybody succeeding. Um, and I think probably for me, because, um, because I've never thought of being a competitive athlete as a, a like financially a career, you know, I, I make my money from coaching, from owning an affiliate. Um, I've never really had that, you know, I mean, you, you might be a little competitive with people around you, but for me, it, it's always felt more like camaraderie versus like, you know, you and I are competing against each other. Um, but I said, but I can see where it came from. And I'm sure a lot of it is just the money that's in the sport now. Um, but, and, you know, I'm, I love that you brought it up because like even just seeing that moment between Katrin and Annie this year and, and Katrin's true happiness for how Annie did and the fact that she made it back on the podium, you know, it wasn't, Katrin was far from the podium this year, but to see how happy Katrin was for Annie was such a beautiful moment in our sport, I think. I totally agree. And that's like one of the coolest things. Um, that we're like noticing and also just from having the podcast and having these conversations with other like CrossFit athletes, that conversation has shifted too. Like, I think 
if anything has come out of the past year and a half, it's that, you know, like we need community and we need like that support and to support each other again. And that has been super, super cool to watch, to be a part of, to experience. Um, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And you know, I, um, Tia is always a great interview and I feel like she's always very classy and, and and I mean, you know, I don't know if there's a more competitive athlete out there right now, but she, um, as, as competitive as she is, it never feels like it's, it, it feels like it's always against herself, never against the others. Um, and that's, I, I think, you know, I'd love to give her some credit for kind of the, the vibe and the feeling out there right now, um, because I think she's done a really beautiful job of being very competitive and still very supportive of her fellow athletes. The first thing that came up when you're like, I'm not competing against you. This is camaraderie. I was like, thank God, because you would smoke me in any workout. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> what was it like being on the podium this year? It was really awesome. Um, you know, obviously winning the games is not my ultimate goal in life, but it was definitely one of, one of my goals, especially having competed uh, for so many years on and off in the sport. Um, and it was just the validation of all the work, uh, all the years that I've put in and, and just the hard work. Um, but again, I love training so much that it doesn't, in a lot of ways, it doesn't change anything. You know, it's not, yeah, it's a nice nod to all the work that I've done, but um, I'd still be doing it if I had gotten 20th place this year. I'd still be loving it if, you know, I got second place. So um, it, it's like everything and nothing all at the same time, you know? That was like the two moments in watching this year's games that I cried was one, seeing you take the podium, and then two, you mentioning like Katrin and Annie and that I think everyone can see that iconic embrace. Um, yeah. I'm actually teary right now thinking of it because it's all of those like amazing moments that kept me and keeps me in the sport now is um, I've talked about this on the show before, but I think that CrossFit was the first time that I walked into a gym and I wasn't intimidated. Like I could never do this. It was completely the opposite. It was seeing women use their bodies and do pull-ups and muscle-ups and all of these things that I never thought I could do until I saw it be done by somebody and it's so crazy because, I mean, what little kid like doesn't get a basketball, but the thought of the NBA is not any, or WNBA is not anywhere on our radar, right? But you step into a CrossFit gym and all of a sudden you're like, it's just infectious, this feeling of camaraderie and competition and this idea that I can do this because there's been so many women ahead of me that have all done it too. What do you think separates CrossFit in that way from other sports? Um, I mean, that is definitely one of the, the most unique things, like you said, is um, j just, you know, when you step into a gym, the, the what it inspires in you and who knows, obviously I'm biased to it because that's my sport. Maybe when you step into a basketball gym with a basketball, you're like, no, I can make it to the WNBA. Um, but I think it's, it is, it really comes down to the community, you know, and the way we all believe in each other and want the best for each other. And it's like, um, it's like you were saying, Ariel, like as much as you want to do well within your workout, you want your, your fellow athletes to do well in the workout and you're, you know, as much as you're competing with them or against them, you're competing with them um, and you drive each other and you push each other. And um, I think that and somebody else said it in our gym the other day, like you're often more, I'm more excited for your PR, Lindsay, than you are sometimes, right? And that's the, that's kind of the beauty and the magic of CrossFit is um, the camaraderie, the community and how we support each other um, and really want the best for each other. You know, I think that it's very few and far between that are like, darn it, Lindsay got her PR today. I wanted that PR, you know, usually it's more, you're so happy like that was amazing I can't believe you finally PR that you've been working so hard and um I think that's what sets our community apart and our sport apart yeah it's not like there's any less room at the top if I do well and you do well there's just right I, I couldn't agree more what do you do at your affiliate and in competitions that you host because I've done the affiliate cup at central I think like 
three different years. One was at a school, but then two yeah. years is at your gym. Um, what do you do to facilitate that kind of community and camaraderie? Um, again, I think it just, it, it's lead by example, right? So, um, you know, I, I try to take the class workouts um, when I'm not training to compete. And um, I try to bring that about, you know, like if I'm, if I'm going and you're ahead of me, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a holler or even, you know, even like a, Hey, Lindsay, I'm coming for you. You better stay ahead of me or stuff like that. And I think it's, um, you, you know, the more I can do it, the more our community sees it. Um, and they do the same thing. And, and I would say that that is very much how our community operates. And, you know, when every, everybody's done with the workout and there's one or two people still working out, it's remembering as a coach or as an athlete that we're going to stick by that person until they're done working out. And, um, just, it's such an easy thing for people to pick up on, you know, it's all, all it takes is one person to be doing it. And I feel like everybody else in the gym is just like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, they're not done. I'm going to hang out with them and cheer them on until they're done. So. I saw this quote today that said, um, we don't lead by opinions. We lead by example. And that whole kind of like being the change that you want to see. Right. Um, you did mention though, and it, it piqued my curiosity when I'm not training for the games. So when you're not training for the games and you're willing to or wanting to take classes at the gym, what does games training look like? Um, so I have a coach, uh, Jason Lydon from Conquer Athlete, and um, he he's great. I mean, he understands that I'm an affiliate owner. You know, I have a, a job, I have two kids. And so my training sessions are rarely ever longer than about two hours. And that's start to finish setting everything up, breaking everything down, um, everything else. So there's usually, you know, two to three strength pieces um, and then one to two conditioning pieces, uh, depending on what point in the season we're at. Um, and, and he's great. You know, it's, it's five to six days a week. Uh, there's usually one of those days would be kind of more of an active recovery day. Um, I've been working with Jason for, um, five, five, six years now. And he's, he's amazing. He's just, he's great. He's, um, he's has a great way of, um, challenging me without like kicking the crap out of me where I can't walk for a few days or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's what usually a typical day looks like, but it's rarely ever longer than two hours. What was it like going to hire a coach? Because I know, I mean, we all work at NC Fit, right? And so much of watching Jason train when he was going to the games was like, I've got all my closest friends. We're going to throw something super messed up on the board and like get through it, you know? So what is it like being a coach and gym owner and then saying, hey, I'm putting my trust in my programming into this individual that's also a coach? Yeah, I had a coach before and, and he was great. Uh, Gary Herthler, he was awesome. Um, but I, you know, we'd been working together for a few years and, and I just kind of needed something different. Um, I needed to kind of just change up what I was doing. And I had gone to Power Monkey Camp um, and I met Jason there. He does the programming lecture. And a lot of it for, for me, I love training, but I like, I like having fun. I like goofing off a little bit. I like banter, you know, I, as serious as I am, it, it has to be fun for me. And Jason and I just personality wise really hit it off. Uh, we really connected. And so I got back and I asked him if he was accepting, you know, clients and um, I asked him to coach me and, um, it's been great. Again, I feel like he, he's really good. You know, I'm 45 now and things are changing and it's harder to recover and I've got a lot of stuff going on and he's just really good at giving me like the appropriate amount of work, um, to where I feel like I can get it all done without, you know, again, having to spend an excessive amount of time in the gym or just feeling so beat up afterwards. Um, and it really, I mean, my relationship with him is so amazing that, uh, it's a huge part of why I still enjoy training and competing is just that relationship that we have. So much to be said for working out and not beating yourself down, not physically, but mentally, emotionally, what do your rest days look like? Whether it's active recovery, excuse me, recovery or full rest days, what do you love to do and what uh, recharges you? 
Um, we, we, luckily, we live fairly close to the ocean. So if I can get, you know, near the water, that's definitely a plus for me. Uh, we have a, a dog. And so like if, you know, if I can take the dog down to the beach and just get her um, running and playing for like a good hour, that's that's a really nice reset for me. Um, probably also like prepping food is, a, you know, a great use of my time. Any of those things that I can get done. Um, but a lot of things right now, and, you know, knock on wood, luckily our kids are a lot busier again. Um, our son plays baseball, our daughter plays volleyball. Um, so a lot of times it's just running people to and from practice or, you know, making sure they're ready for tournaments or games or whatever is coming up. So you mentioned prepping food, things like that. What is your, I have to ask because this is literally my thing, but what is your nutrition looking like? Like what is, um, what's making you kind of feel your best right now? Um, so I'm probably, I operate best probably like 70, 75% uh, paleo. Um, just, just mentally, physically, that's, that's the best for me. Um, definitely not super strict paleo, but um, my body just really uh, at this point, I, I like fruits and vegetables. I love, you know, lean protein. Um, I love my avocados. It, it, that's how I feel the best. And for me, it's just such an easy no-brainer way to eat. Like it's not, I don't have to think about it. Um, literally just meat and veggies is, is how I like to eat. Um, and I allow myself some treats here and there, but you know, at this point I've been so clean for so long that if I really go off on something, I just, I really don't feel good. Like it doesn't taste good. I, you know, two bites taste good. And then I, it's kind of nauseating. So, um, for me, just like about 75 to 80% paleo is the best. So you're saying it doesn't have to be complicated. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's interesting though, because like we think, and like I fell into this too, when I started nutrition coaching was like, well, there has to be like the perfect number of macros or has to be like the perfect combination for training. And truthfully, like, I agree that most people probably would feel their best, like 75 to 80% paleo. And that's really just like focusing on whole and unprocessed foods and putting your energy into that basket. Um, yep. And so when you said that, it literally lit me up because I was like, oh no. So that does work for most people. Yep. hundred percent. And so, you know, for me, like, if you, if you, if I have to focus on my quantity of food, it totally messes me up. Like you were saying, like, if I have to be like, I have, I need to get this many uh, grams of carbs and this many grams of it, like I get all flustered. If it's like a quality thing, like you can eat as much as you want, as long as it's, you know, not processed, it's whole foods, it's veggies and, and sweet potatoes. You can eat as much as you want. I'm like, perfect that for me that's just perfect it's a no-brainer it's easy it's yeah and that's what i always tell people too is like whatever you do for nutrition it has to be sustainable like it can't be something that is so extreme right now that you can't see yourself doing it in six months or a year or two years or five years what was the road like for you figuring that out for yourself or like, Hey, this is what makes me feel good. This is how I perform best. Um, cause for some people, I mean, they go their whole lives and they're still not totally sure, you know, what the right route is. Yeah. Well, and you know, my first, because Greg and them were really into the zone at first and I tried it for like three days and I was starving. I was on 11 blocks and I was like, you can take your zone and shove it. I'm so over this. I'm starving. Um, did do any centers that I was in CrossFit. I was like, I would eat two bowls of cereal a night. I ate a ton of like sugar, hot tamales, stuff like that. But I was still pretty lean. And so I was like, well, I don't need to fix my diet because, you know, I feel good and I'm still really lean. I look good. So why would I change anything? And it was actually when I, when I made it to the games that very first year, I was like, all right, let's clean up the diet a little bit. Like, let's get serious. You know, you're going to compete at the games. And so that was when I kind of moved over to paleo. I was like, well, I could do that. I can just take the sugar out of my diet. It would probably be a good idea. 
Um, and it's funny when I did, I've always battled um, really bad, like allergies, seasonal allergies, and I've had migraines my entire life um, on and off. And I, you know, sometimes it was hormonal, sometimes who knows what it was. And since I pulled out the sugar, I, you know, I, I might get a little bit of allergies in the spring, but it's like nothing. And I never have migraines anymore. Um, and it was such an easy fix. Like never mind body composition. Um, it, it, when I took the sugar out, just those two things that had plagued me my entire life were gone. Uh, it was crazy. And then, um, so it, at first I probably, I got a little too lean. The first year at the games, I was almost too lean. I was probably a little too strict on the paleo. And um, and then once I loosened up a little bit, you know, had more like white rice in there and, and added stuff like that in, um, I hit what I would call a fighting weight for me. And then it was just like, it just felt so good. And it was so easy to do um, that I just, I've stuck with it since like 2011. It's probably been 10 years. Um, easily that I've been eating this way. It's so, first of all, it's so cool to hear you talk about how like you dropped migraines and allergies because that is the stuff that like I try to impart on clients all the time, right? Like you may feel okay in the rest of your life, but something that, um, I heard recently and I love is like, you know, we've become really adept at suffering. And so we don't recognize when that baseline is really, really, really low. Yep. So we might be able to just kind of live with seasonal allergies, live with migraines. Like we take something for it and it kind of goes away sometimes. And like, you just kind of deal with it. Maybe you're laid out for a day or two, but the power that our food choices has on our just our body in general and our body function is so incredibly powerful. And I think that is something that, um, I love, you know, like hearing success stories like that, because that is the coolest part. And like, yes, do you have to be super strict? No, of course not. Because that also can lead you to, you know, like not having the best performance either. Like, I think that there is that middle ground for a lot of people. Um, and that is just so cool. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's like yeah. my favorite. That's my favorite thing to hear. Well, and the best part was like for me, I almost got too lean, but again, body composition didn't change that much. It was more that like, I wasn't suffering from allergies and migraines. That's worth it in and of itself. And like you said, I think we've all become so conditioned to suffering that we don't even realize it's suffering until you're not doing it. And you know, all of a sudden everybody's sneezing next to me and I'm like, wait, I'm not sneezing. Like I'm not a mess right now. I used to be a mess and I'm not a mess right now. And this feels really good. That was my same experience. I remember doing like the whole 30 challenge the first time. And mind you before that, when people would ask me why I did CrossFit, it was like, so I can eat pizza and I can drink beer and I like can do all of these things and still look okay. Um, and then I did whole 30 and it was miserable for the first like two weeks. It was like a full detox. And then it was just like, I, I think for so many people, they have no idea that they even feel bad until they realize that they can feel better. Um, and then fast forward when I started competing and I was tracking every macro and my carbs were so high and my fat was so low on the numbers that had been prescribed to me. But I was like, even if I wanted to eat paleo, I can't like I, with this low of fat in my life, it was really, really hard. And so I moved back into eating processed foods and really low fat, like yogurts, basically taking all of the good things out of food and then trying to get them to eat for the sake of fitting. And I would, yeah, Bloom is shaking her head because she probably <laughs> sees this all the time, but it was crazy how I was arguably like my strongest and my leanest, but internally my absolute sickest, like my body was not functioning right. And so it's so nice to hear people, especially those at such the high pedigree as the level of athlete that you are saying like, you don't have to track everything. Like nutrition doesn't have to be hard. Right. And I think like you're saying, like you almost have to try all the different things. 
to figure it out sometimes, you know, it's like you eat really good and you're like, okay, well, what if I do this? And, and then you, and you, you have to go through it. Like you have to be like, yeah, no, that doesn't work. Like I was meeting all my numbers, but I felt like shit and that's not worth it. You know? And I, I think the most important thing is just to be willing to go through those processes and try and try different things, you know? And again, what works for you, Lindsay, might not work for me and what works for, like everybody's different, I feel like. Um, so it, sometimes it just takes a little trial and error. Totally agree with that. I think it's like, we make it and it can be as simple or as complex as we want it to be. It just depends on, you know, like how willing we are to listen to our bodies. Yeah. And that I think um, we can all have a little bit more practice with for sure. Yeah. Are you right now, um, do you have any sort of like practice or anything around, you know, like a meditation or a mindset practice, something that helps you kind of get into the training zone, but then also, you know, you're competitive. And then also how are you balancing that with the other stressors in your life? Um, I, I, reading is probably my, I, I did do some meditating at some point. I'm not good at it. Uh, I, which probably means I should be practicing and doing it a lot more. Um, but for me, reading is really good. And so I, you know, I really like, um, every once in a while, I'll just read a good fictional book, historical fiction or something, but, um, reading is probably a lot of how I work on mindset. Um, and, and relaxing. I always read before bed. I always shut off my phone, um, you know, come about nine o'clock and then it's, it's reading and just, um, not really trying not to be on any social media or anything like that. And just, and I'm, and I'm a, I need a physical book. I want to turn pages. I want to hold it. Um, and so that's probably really where I practice a lot of that. Okay, so for our listeners, but also mainly for me, what is like a book wreck that you just need to share that you absolutely loved? So I just read um, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Um, and it was, it was definitely pretty thick. Like I need to go back and read it again. Um, but it was, uh, it, it was, it was kind of life changing for me. It was pretty amazing. That'll also make you want to meditate more. All of, yeah, all of his work. <laughs> but, you know, I really liked a lot of his book um, just because he, you know, it's easy to read something like that and be like, oh my God, I have to be so, sh it's great, like so strict about it. And I need to be only thinking this way and letting go of my ego. And like his whole book, he's, a lot of it is like, hey, you know, you're going to have moments where ego is going to take over. Just the pure recognition of, oh, that was my ego is that's that's enough sometimes like that just recognizing that moment like you don't have to be perfect you don't have to be a monk it's just like with the diet right like you don't have to be perfect you're recognizing this moment where maybe you could have done better been better made a better decision and that that sometimes is enough um, and i really liked that about that book because it was it, it you know sometimes you read some of those books and you're like well i'm not going to just go meditate and become a monk so why would i even try any of it and this was more of like, you know, just, just be conscious of these moments and that's enough. I love that so much. I feel like a lot of times, just like nutrition, just like training, we get a little bit wrapped up in like, well, I can't meditate for 45 minutes to an hour. So I'm just not going to do any sort of work on like that ego, like you talked about, or just my mindset in general, my ability to find positive in maybe not so positive moments. Um, I'm curious for you, what was your like introduction into that mindset work? Um, so when I was with Gary, uh, my coach, Gary Herthler, he, um, he really was into a lot of this, uh, Eknath S. Warren and just kind of more meditative kind of Eastern philosophy. And so he would give me a lot of books, um, and things to read, uh, and I hadn't, I, I hadn't done a lot of that kind of reading and it was great. It was very eye-opening and, you know, again, some books, like some books, you'll just eat them up and you're just like, yes, I connect. And other times it's like, okay, that's inspiring, but, eh. um, you know, if I'm going to be totally honest, but, um, 
but you know, who knows what's sinking in, even the books that you're like, eh, you know, there's little pieces and little bits that are sinking in. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really appreciate kind of his guidance and towards a lot of that style of reading. In like the spiritual community, right? We talk about like the integration phase of all of that, whether it be a spiritual teaching or an experience, a rite of passage, any of these different things and talking about them as downloads. And I think that they hit you at different times, right? Mm -hmm. Like you'll be doing something in life and all of a sudden it like hits you and you're like, oh my gosh, I wasn't even thinking about that book or that experience or that moment or that teaching. And like, here it is. And now I get to practice it. And totally. it's so, it feels like that's kind of the thread amongst this entire conversation, right? Whether it's yeah. CrossFit or anything else, like having those moments where we're just present enough to recognize where we like can do the thing or the intervention or the new way of, of thinking. Um, so what's in that thread, what's on the horizon? What are the things that you are looking to do now and, and moving forward after winning the games? Um, I think right now, so both my kids, luckily sports have started back up for them. And that's some of why I decided to compete again this last year is with COVID, they didn't have as many sports happening. And so it was much easier to kind of be a little selfish with my time. Both of them have, um, like club and travel sports that they're starting up. And so really my focus is kind of on them. You know, my daughter's a sophomore in high school, she's 15 and I, you know, it's that recognition that I only have a couple more years with her in the house and to really dote on her and, and kind of take her to all of her tournaments and be there for her. So um, for me, focus is really gonna shift over to my kids um, and making sure they're getting athletically and academically, whatever experiences they, they want, desire, and I can kind of help foster in them. Um, and, you know, if I, and I'll train in the meantime, and when the open comes around, I'll do the open and kind of go by feel as far as that goes, because uh, I still do definitely love competing, but um, focus shifts to my kids now. Well, I know I can't wait to follow your open experience on the leaderboard and everything else. If people listening want to follow along, get a hold of you, drop into your gym, if they're in Santa Cruz, where can they find you? Um, so I'm in Santa Cruz. Uh, our gym is CrossFit Santa Cruz Central. We're actually just 200 meters down from the original CrossFit gym, which is kind of cool. Um, Instagram is, is definitely the best way, uh, which is Annie, A-N-N-I-E. Kimiko, K-I-M-I-K-O. Um, and yeah, that's it. I'm rarely on Facebook. I'm not good at Facebook, uh, but I'm good at, but I'm good at Instagram. Awesome. I will link all of that in the show notes. Annie, thank you so much for sitting down with us today and making waves the way you do. Thank you, ladies. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.